Go ahead and have a seat. And then would you please give a warm welcome, a GCR welcome to Patrick Lightfoot. All right. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you this morning. Uh, you know you are in Texas when there are more Ford F-150s than Prius plug-in cars. By the way, there's a lot of those in Colorado and I don't drive one. Uh, you know you are in Texas when I go into the lobby of the hotel this morning and the First Baptist Church is service is being streamed in the lobby of baby dedications. And lastly, you know you are in Texas when you go into the lead pastor's office and there is a shrine to the glory days of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> wow. I didn't know what I walked into in there. I'm still like my head spinning. Any cowboy fans out there? Uh, okay, we're gonna pause and we're gonna pray for you right now. Cause God's team is in Denver, Colorado, the Broncos, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Well, my name is Patrick Lightfoot. I am the lead pastor of Traverse Christian Church in Windsor, Colorado, and it is great to be with you today. A couple of quick things before we get into the message. Uh, number one, I speak really fast, okay? So what you need to do is put your hands and your feet in for the ride that we're going to go on this morning. Number two is sharpen your pencils, sit up straight, and get ready to take some notes. Are you ready? Okay, let's do this thing. Before I get into the message, I want to introduce you to my family. They are not with me this morning, but I love them and love to introduce them uh, to uh, anyone new. This is my wife, Hannah. Uh, this year in August, we will celebrate 25 years of marriage, and so thankful for that. Yeah. Our son, Nolan, is 18. Uh, he will be graduating next Sunday from high school, May 22nd. So we are beginning the process of becoming empty nesters. So if you uh, have any advice, please let us know. Uh, and then our daughter, Libby, is 16 years old, and uh, we'll have her for an another few years. One of the things we did share with our kids, uh, we told them after our, our youngest graduates, that we are gonna go into the witness protection program and, and hide from them. And they're like, are you serious, really? And we're like, yeah. And then, uh, well, how will we ever know where you're at? And we said, when you start having grandbabies, we will find you, all right? <laughs> And so uh, our son, Nolan, is graduating. He starts work full-time uh, on Tuesday the following week, and we'll be going to the local community college. And so that's the season of life that we are in. And uh, I want you to know it is an honor to be here with you today. Uh, thank you to Alan and the staff. Uh, Tim showed me around your beautiful campus this morning. Corey was great to work with earlier in the week uh, just to get me prepared to be here. And uh, the accommodations have been beyond warm and welcoming. And so thank you for having me here today. All right, everyone, we invest in something. Do you believe that? When you invest in something, you want what's called a return. Uh, any uh, Rockhound fans here? I saw you guys have that minor league stadium. That is so cool. Uh, that was near my hotel last night. And uh, some of you may have season tickets. And when you have season tickets to any uh, team, whether it's the Rockhounds, the Cowboys, uh, we'll continue to pray for you, or the Denver Broncos, uh, you invest in that because you want to return. And the return is uh, to see your team win or to invest time relationally with friends and family. And you will go to any and all of those games, rain or shine or 101 degrees. 
man, it was hot here yesterday. How do y'all do this? I should have known by the email that Eric sent me. He said, well, welcome to the desert. Whew, this is warm here. Yesterday, the high was 81 degrees in Colorado. It was gorgeous. And if you're ever out that way, come see us. We'd love to have you. But yeah, the, you invest in different things, whether it's season tickets. Uh, last April, my wife and I, we were doing, um, working with Nexus. That's our church planting network that you guys support that we're a part of. We're on the assessment team. We were assessing four new couples for church planting. And while we were there, we had a snow in the middle of April. And I'd already turned my sprinkler system, system on because I want to make sure my grass is greener than any of my neighbors. We have any guys out there like that? It's a competition, unsaid competition. You're like more manly if your grass is greener than everyone else's. And so I wanted to get a head start to prove my manhood, okay? And when you turn your sprinklers on too early in Colorado, a snow comes and it cracks a pipe and it floods your basement. So we get this phone call and I got a basement flooded and we got it mitigated. And uh, it was just kind of difficult because my wife and I were away. Our kids came home and like, ah, something's wrong. There's water in the basement. And so we got new flooring. We got new carpet. And when you flood your basement, guys, listen to me. This is a free one today. Write this down. If you get water in your basement, mom gets carpet upstairs, downstairs, and anywhere she wants, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen, ladies, to that? Yes. And when you get new carpet in your Throughout the house, your wife makes you then take your shoes off and you can only wear socks on the hardwood floor and no shoes on the carpet, right? Because you've invested money in this beautiful carpet that you can't walk on and why we even have it, I still don't know, but we have this beautiful carpet and our investment is we want this carpet to last as long as possible. And I want you to know, is it okay to have season tickets uh, to the Rockhounds or Cowboys or the Denver Broncos, absolutely. Is it okay to have new carpet in your home? Absolutely. To care and provide for the, the house that God has you entrusted you with? For sure. But sometimes we invest in things that just don't last. We invest in carpet. We make it 20 years out of that carpet. The Rockhounds, they've got this beautiful stadium. It's an organization affiliated with the Oakland Athletics. You know what? They may get a better deal in 20 years and take their club over to Odessa. How awful would that be, right? That was an Odessa joke for anyone from who's Odessa, okay? You, got, you like the people from Odessa? They're okay? All right, we're good there. All right, so, so maybe they move the team to Dallas next to the Cowboys. I don't know. But nothing is permanent in this world that we live in. The carpet, the teams that we cheer for and love, but there is one thing that is going to last and stand the test of time, and that is God's people, the church. And so I wanted to share this verse with you. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and this is the Sermon on the Mount, the, the greatest sermon ever preached, and these are the words of Christ, and this is what he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust and destroy them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where the moths and the rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. You see, having these possessions and provisions for your home, I want you to know they are gifts from God. Enjoy them. Man, do you know how good that new carpet feels on my bare feet now? It is awesome. I absolutely love it. But what this passage is teaching us is Jesus is warning against selfish accumulation. We live in a culture that is obsessed with selfish 
accumulation. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 12 this morning. Luke chapter 12, if you are new to the scriptures, um, this is in the Gospels. Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are the stories, uh, eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. And we're going to share two main passages today. The first one is going to be found in Luke chapter 12. And the second one is going to be in Luke chapter 9, just a few chapters prior. All right, you guys ready to do this? I'm a conversationalist, so when I ask you a question, I'm asking you to respond. Are you ready to do this? Okay, awesome. Good deal. All right, here we go. It's the parable of the rich ruler. If you've been in church any length of time, you have probably read this passage, studied this passage. It's uh, one of my favorites. And so we're going to start here in verse 13 and read through 21 real quickly. It says this, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to divide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. We live in a culture today that everything is measured by what you own. You are sized up, you are looked upon on the things that you have and has nothing to do with the heart that is inside of you. That is the culture that we live in. And Jesus is going to teach against this. And this is what he says. And he's going to share a story. And he says this, a rich man, he had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. Sounds like a a problem to have, right? A good one, a growth problem. Yeah, this is great, man. We, We don't have enough to store it. So what are we going to do? This is his suggestion this man to himself. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my old barns, uh, build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of the wheat and the other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for the years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you'll die this very night. Then who will get everything that you have worked for? Yes, a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with the Lord. And see, God has intended us not for us to store up, but God has intended us to pour out. Did you know Jesus lived this in every area of his life? He poured it all out. He left nothing back for himself. He was willingly to give of everything. I wanted to share a few verses. These are not on the screen. I just want you to listen. Mark chapter 14, verse 24. He's speaking to his disciples the night before his crucifixion. He says this, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. Acts chapter 10 Verse 45, the Jewish believers who came with Peter, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Do you hear the life of Christ? His life just poured out. He bled, poured out all of his blood that you and I could be forgiven, redeemed, and restored, and to fix what was broken, this rebellious rebellious heart between God uh, and mankind and our rebellion. And so we have been forgiven because he poured out his blood. Yes and amen to that. I am so thankful he poured it out. Can you imagine? He's like, you know, I'm just not going to do that today. 
I don't feel like being crucified, so I'm not going to pour out my blood. And because he's such an amazing God, he says, I'm going to leave something behind that is far better than me. And so I must go to the Father. And he left the Holy Spirit. So if you are a Christ follower, Christ follower, you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit resides in you. He is our guide. He is our counsel. And he poured that into your life. I don't know about you, but man, I need more of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me. And I'm so thankful that he left that deposit inside of those who have said yes to Christ. And what about grace? Anyone here needs some grace? Upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, poured it out. The phrase that I use often with people about the generosity of who God is, is his shovel is a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> you think you're generous, you think you've poured it out, and you may have, but here's the deal. God, through his son Christ, modeled what it means to be someone who's not going to store up for themselves, but he poured it out willingly in every area of our life. Store up is a scarcity mindset. Mm. Excuse me. A scarcity mindset is driven by fear. It's driven by fear. When we don't have enough, man, we get scared. It's like, oh, we got to make sure we got to save for the right time. We got to build bigger barns and we can't do anything but just hold on to this stuff and we got to squeeze it, whether it's your time or your treasure or your talents. One of the things that I have a habit of squeezing is time. I can make more money, but I can't make more time. Once it's spent, it's gone. Is that right? Yeah, I can't go back. And so, man, I am like almost like this Nazi mentality with my calendar. Like it is like at this time, at this time, I've got to, like, I just want to maximize every second that I have. And if someone wastes my time, that just annoys me. If I want to waste my time, so be it. If you want to waste your time, so be it. But I have this limited amount of time, and I can, I can hold it with a death grip at times. And it's driven by fear or loss. And it's really about me being selfish. I'm wrapped in this flesh, and me like me some me. Do you remember who said that? Terrell Owens he used to play for the Dallas Cowboys. That's your guy. I mean, hey, you <laughs> me like me some me, all right? And so we have this tendency to like hold on to things. But there's this other mindset that is the mind of Christ, and it's an abundant mindset. And it's not driven by fear. It's driven by faith. It's driven by, I want to bless other people. I want to have greater and higher levels of trust in the Lord in my life. And so everything that I have, whether it is my time or my talents or my treasures, I'm just going to live with an open hand and say, Lord, may it be filled with this hand, but may it run out into the hand of someone else. One of our core values at Traverse Christian Church is um, generosity, is to give it away. That's the phrase that we use, give it away. We would just want to give away everything that we have. It's not ours. We're just being called a steward, and we want to be selfless in everything that we do. This morning, GCR, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a church that has an abundant mindset. This church was planted in 1963. Started with a few hundred people, and it has grown to where it is today, even through this pandemic called covid and you have been faithful in giving of your time and of your treasure and your talents. And I want you to know you have been a blessing to Nexus and all of our church planners. And you have been a blessing to me and my family. And I want to say thank you for being faithful and keeping your hand out, your time and your treasure and your talents.
What I want to do this morning is I want to help you uh, in part of our journey. We've walked in this journey. We celebrated our six-year anniversary as a church on February 14th of this year. Do you guys want to see part of our journey this morning? Awesome. Yeah, we're, I'm gonna, yeah you can clap. Amen. And the reason that we have this journey is because you were a help and part of it. This first picture is called the art of the start. When we work with church plants, uh, we take them through assessment. And then the art of the start is the building blocks of how to start a church from the very beginnings. The reason I love this picture is for several reasons. Number one, Phil Claycomb, our executive director, is teaching. Uh, he's an amazing, amazing teacher and instructor. But what I love about it on the right-hand side is my wife. On the left-hand side is Jim Perkins. Also in the picture next on the left-hand side is Andrew Estes. He was the associate pastor uh, with Revive Christian Church. They planted six months after we planted our church about 20 miles from us. Uh, but what I love about this picture is it's not about your financial giving. It's what it's done in the hearts of the people in this picture and what it has done for the kingdom. Jim Perkins and I and three other men are now elders at our church. And we have a shepherd. He's one of our shepherds that are shepherding the flock in northern Colorado. Andrew Estes is now the trainer, director of training and communications. And so he does the bulk of our training for our onboarding new church plants, but also for our current team of church planters and their spouses. And so not only has your willingness to live a life of an abundant mindset and not storing up but pouring out, you literally have grown the church and have grown leaders in the church in Northern Colorado. And I wanna say thank you for that. So I absolutely love this picture. Our next picture, this is our very first service. This was on February 14th of 2016. We had 181 people show up for this service. And man, we were so excited. And, but the fearful part was on the Monday after. This was Sunday morning is that next Monday I woke up and I thought, Oh my gosh, are they gonna come back next week? Ah! And 108 of them came back next week. And we have moved forward ever since that day. And so I, this is one of our favorite pictures. Uh, the next picture uh, is a picture of a, a big thing that we do every year called Super Bag Sunday. Uh, are you guys familiar with Lifeline? Have you guys packed meals with them before? Yes, you have. And so every year on Super Bowl Sunday, we have no services. Our 9 and 10.30 services, we pack meals. And in five years, we have packed over 100,000 meals that we have shipped to Haiti. And uh, this is one of our, our favorite Sundays of the year. Our people like, can we do this next week? I'm like, no, I need to teach you about Jesus next week. And so uh, we can't do this uh, every Sunday, but we do it once a year. And it's one of the highlights uh, for us as a church to serve and uh, give to those in need. All right, our, our next picture of part of our journey uh, is our student ministry. Four years ago, we sent six kids to Camp Maranatha. Last year, we sent 50, and we had to get a charter bus to send so many kids to camp. How awesome is that? The thing that I love about this picture, a third of these students aren't even a part of our church. Not even a part. My son is graduating. He's dating a young girl named Sam. She's a junior at the high school, and I think that's why he's decided to stay at community college at home. Uh, Sam is not yet a follower of Jesus, but 
Because of your generosity and your abundant mindset, we've been able to grow this ministry. And what it's doing in the heart of this young lady has been really fun to watch. Hasn't been raised in the church. She's been coming about every other Sunday, sits on the front row, and is a sweet, sweet girl. Now, my son comes in one night late. My wife and I are in bed. We're getting ready to go to bed. And when you have teenagers, for some reason, they always want to come to your bedroom. I don't know what that is. They don't like me any other time of the day. There's no other time. But right as you're about to turn the light out and go to sleep, they're like, hey, we got to talk. You ever hear that phrase? Got to talk. And you're like, oh, man, what is he going to tell us? What's going on? I'm so worried. He comes in and he says, do you know what? Sam just signed up to go to camp this summer. How awesome is that? I'm like, are you serious, Nolan? Yeah, she's going to camp this summer. A couple of weeks later, we had our spring vacation. We're on a vacation. He runs in, and what does he say? Hey, I got to tell you something. You're like, oh, man, what is he going to tell us now? And we were gone um, on spring break. I missed a, a weekend away from church, and it was a Sunday night when he comes in. He goes, guess who showed up to student ministry tonight by herself without me? Sam. I'm so proud of this ministry and these kids that are being impacted um, for eternity. And it's because of generous partners that have been abundant in their time and their treasure and their resources. Next picture. This is our setup today. We're meeting at Windsor Charter Academy, and so we're in and out uh, each week. This is our five-year anniversary during COVID. Chairs are spread out, but we got them all jammed in there now, packed. It's awesome. Did you know on Easter Sunday, we had 400 people show up? 400 people. Uh, I have to pinch myself and how, how good God is sometimes. He is so good. He pours himself out over and over and over again. This last picture, this is in March. Uh, there's two ladies standing up by the baptistry. One is my wife, Hannah. The other is Julie Jones. Julie is a high-level leader in our community. She works for Starbucks. Have you ever heard of them? Yes. Uh, she's a regional director. She has a ton of stores over northern Colorado that she is in charge of. Uh, if you know anything about Starbucks, Starbucks uh, has uh, definitely a liberal bent in some of the things that we encounter culturally. And uh, this is one of the smartest women I have ever met. We met Chris and Julie Jones in sixth grade. Their son, Ellis, and my son, Nolan, played basketball from sixth grade all the way through high school together and became best friends and are best friends till this day. Uh, Julie found out that she worked for Starbucks uh, and just built this relationship in the stands as you do as parents when you're watching your kiddos on the field or on the court. And uh, she started having questions about faith and a lot of questions. And the questions she were asking are some as a pastor, you're like, I hope she doesn't ask me that one. You know, it's like, oh, can you ask an easy one for me? Like, ah. And she would just ask these great questions over and over. And we just began to reason and study with scripture. And she wanted to know who is this Jesus. And so we kept studying. And then she started reading books. And one day she calls her, hey, I just read this book by Tim Keller. And I have like 20 questions. Can we get together? I'm like, yes, 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 we can do this. And in March of this year, after building a relationship for six years, she stands before our church and she answers these three questions. Number one. How did I come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Number two is how has Jesus changed my life? And number three, why do I want to get baptized today? Do you know we have had 68 people confess Christ and be baptized in six years? Yeah. <laughs> GCR, I want to tell you thank you for the abundant mindset. You have 
given into the work, not just planting churches through Nexus, but all those other ministries. Uh, I spent some time with Tim this morning, and it was great to see all the work and, that you guys are doing in Africa. Oh, that is just, I, Tim was almost in tears sharing those stories, and uh, it was just great to see the joy on his face and in his heart this morning. So what I want to do now is I want to share a couple of pictures with you of what are we doing to model what you have given to us. How are we to um, also live a life of our hands wide open, to be generous with our time, our treasure, and our talents. One of the things we've been adding about as a church is that we're not going to be a church plant. We're going to be a church that plants churches, that plants churches, that plants churches. My favorite thing to tell people besides those 68 people, and I know hundreds more are going to confess Christ and be baptized at this church, is this. And in six years, we have been directly involved in five church plants. Yeah. Super excited about that. Now, when you start a church, money and leaders are the two most important things. You got to have both of those. And man, this is a, early on, you just want to hold on to your money. Like, we got to have it because we got this thing called rent at the school. Oh, my goodness. And I got this little tiny salary and I want to eat next week. And so, can we hold on to it? So, what we decided to do on our Christmas Eve services, and we've done this every Christmas Eve, and we will do this for as long as I'm the pastor there, is we have our legacy offering. We made a decision on Christmas Eve, our offering, we're going to give the entire thing away. Our first offering on Christmas Eve was $3,300. Now, I know here at this church, I looked at some of the numbers, what your monthly giving is. I don't think that will pay the light bill here, but that's another story. But... When you're a small church and you're starting, like, that's a lot of money, and we decided to give it away. In our first two years, we decided we want to plant churches, but we can't afford to maybe plant them domestically. It takes quite a bit of money to plant churches stateside. So let's set it in the DNA of our church early on. In the very beginning, so we planted two churches in India our first two years. This is Vishnu. And this is uh, Ververt and Neelam Law uh, with Mid-India Church Partners. In 2016, I had the opportunity to go to India. I spent 10 days over there, and I got to meet Vishnu, spent some time with him. And then Mike Moser and I, one of our other church planters in Columbus, Nebraska, we got time to train and teach uh, some of the uh, pastor there locally. And um, I asked him this question, what, what do you want to do with your church, Vishnu? He says, I love my church here, but what I want to do is plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And I was like, oh yeah, we found our guy here. Like he's thinking big, I love it. I asked him, well, how do you get to these other villages? How do you travel around? He goes, I either take the public bus or I walk. That was in October of 2016. Our legacy offering was to raise money for a motorcycle for Vishnu. I got back and I said, I know one of the things we're given to, we're going to buy this guy a motorcycle. And in March of the next year, this is Neelam and Ververt giving the keys to a brand new scooter so the gospel could go to the ends of the earth. Isn't that awesome? Man, I love this. This is one of my all-time favorite pictures. I absolutely love it. Rob Barber is with Mid-India Church Partners. I talked to him this week. Uh, I got an update on Vishnu and Peterson. They're both doing well. Vishnu is building their first church building. They've got it up. It's a cinder block building, and they're getting ready to paint it. And Vishnu asks if Patrick from the United States, can he come over and help us do the dedication to the building? What an honor that is. I don't know when or how, but we're going to get that figured out. And I'm so excited about that. Uh, the next picture. 
This next picture is uh, from January of this year. So we planted two churches, India, uh, also a revived Christian church in Loveland. They were in the picture. They went through the art of the start with us. They had lost some funding from one of their partners. And so for three years, um, we helped funded that church for three years. And so that was a direct one. But this one happened in January of this year. This is Brad and Jenny Sullivan, and they're planting in Paris. How cool is that? Texas, Paris, Texas, yeah. Yeah, I love telling people, yeah, we got a church plant over in Paris. That's so cool. Texas, yeah. So Brad and Jenny, they launched their church on Easter Sunday this year in Paris, Texas. So if you were ever there, it's called Mercy Church. Go check them out. They're doing a great work there. Sitting next to me is Jeffrey Poor. Uh, his wife is not in the picture, but they are planting in Johnstown, Colorado. It is 12 miles uh, south of us. So uh, if we are Midland, they are Odessa. Okay, we're still going to love them right where they're at and care for them. Um, but I'm excited about this because this is some church planting that's going on locally. Uh, in northern Colorado because I want you to know I live in one of the most liberal states in the country. We're not a red state, newsflash to you, okay? We are a very blue state where we live and we need more churches planted in our area and so we are excited about what the future holds. I'll let you know as a church in six and a half years we've invested $141,000 into these five church plants. We tithe every offering that has come through the door of our church from the very first day. And someone is calling me right now. A solicitor, Phoenix, Arizona. What do you know? Okay. Uh, insurance. My insurance has lapsed, right? No. Okay. Uh, we tithe every offering from the very first offering that was taken at our church. And that's how we fund church plants. Do you know we have another $44,000 that we're going to invest in 2013 in our next church plan? We are going to live out what Christ has asked us to do and he modeled. Not to store up, but we are going to pour out. I want to die one day and when I write the last check, I hope it bounces. Man, that's how we should live our lives. With our time and our treasure and our talents over and over and over again. See, it's not the amount that you pour out. It's that you are pouring out what you have. We get caught up in this whole pouring out of comparing, well, how much time do you give? How much money do you give? How big are the talents that you have? Well, I can't sing like her, and I can't play music like him, and I can't preach like him, and all those things, and we compare, and it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not the amount, are you pouring out what you have? And Luke chapter 9 is a story that you're probably familiar with. We're going to finish with this passage, and in Luke chapter 9, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. I think the title of it is, uh, is should say the disciples feed the 5,000 because Jesus actually didn't feed them. It was the disciples. And this is what it says. We're going to start uh, in verse 12. It says, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, what? You feed them. You do it. Here's their response. But we only have five loaves and two fish. It's kind of this whiny little moment for them, right? Sounds like a scarcity mindset to me. 
We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crowd? I'm pretty sure Costco was not around the corner to buy in bulk, okay? For there were about 5,000 men there. Most likely there was over 10,000 people. It says only 5,000 men. Let's say if they had one bride and a kid, probably 15, maybe even 20,000 people might have been at this gathering. I love Jesus' response. This is what he says. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked towards the heaven and he blessed them. He didn't bless the food. Did you notice that? Didn't bless it. He blessed them. I think the blessing was on the disciples and not those eating the meal. He blessed them to do the work. That, hey guys, you know what? You go feed them with only five loaves and two fish. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute to all the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. You see, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, the Lord multiplies it. Jesus is the multiplier, church. He's the multiplier. We just seed things. We start things. That's why I love church planting. You start with this little group of people who have a passion and a heart for lost people in certain communities all over this globe, and you think there's no way in chance they're going to make it. I want to take you back to 1963 when this church started. Do you think there were any fears and doubts of this church making it? I'm sure there were. But you know, their faith, their perseverance, their trust in Christ said, you know what? We're just going to follow him. We're going to be obedient. And we may only have five loaves and two fish, but we're just going to give it all to the work of the church. And we're just going to be obedient and faithful in reaching as many people for Christ in Midland and, yes, and Odessa, Texas. And because you have been faithful in that hundreds if not thousands of souls have said yes to Christ and heaven is going to be fuller because of the work that you started here in 1963 that is going to outlive each and every one of us. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Man, that is so good. And so on behalf of myself, the, the elders at Traverse Christian Church, our five staff, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having a mindset of abundancy that you are giving faithfully to all the mission work that you guys have been called to as a church. And I want to encourage you in being abundant with one more thing. Here's your homework. I want you to be abundant in your prayers for us. Would you do that? I was absolutely shocked when I walked into the lobby of the hotel and I saw a church service going on. I promise you this, in Colorado, you will never see a church service being streamed in the lobby of any hotel or business. And it was just, it was, it made my heart sing this morning to see that. And so I'm going to ask you guys, would you just, would you pray for us? I want you to pour out your prayers to not just our church, but all of Nexus's church planners. They're doing a good work and lives are being changed for all eternity. And so we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. I'm so grateful for today and this time and opportunity to gather here with Golf Course Road Church of Christ. And Lord, they have been faithful for a long time. 
And Lord, uh, they have lived out this life of an abundant mindset. They have lived out a life where they have poured out. And so, Lord, we just celebrate them today. But most of all, Lord, we celebrate you. You are the multiplier. You have taken literally, spiritually, emotionally, five loaves and two fish and have multiplied your church to the ends of the earth, Lord. And my prayer today is, Lord, would you continue to use church planning as a way and a means to reach people for Christ? Lord, may we continue our heart in being generous to give it away, Lord, to continue to seed and fund more church plants. And so, Lord, I just pray for our time now as we continue to worship you. Uh, May we celebrate your faithfulness, Lord, that you poured out your blood for us, that it was spilled and shed. Thank you for your graces that you pour out over and over. Lord, Holy Spirit, we praise you and thank you that you were poured out into our hearts as Christ did his work, and now you are doing your work in us, that you are our counselor, you are our guide, you are our mediator, and so we praise you and thank you. So, Lord, we give this to you today. We love you. It is in the mighty, it is in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And we all said, Amen. Amen.